it's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Welcome to Taking Care of Business on the 16th of May. I'm David Hollywood. Ronan will be back next week. Coming up on the show this evening, you're going to be brought to Singapore to meet an Athlone man. He's been nominated uh, for the EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award. I'll be investigating the perilous state of finances in the League of Ireland. You'll hear how Athlone Town are balancing the books while finding that headroom to grow. And we stop off at an Abbey Leaks restaurant that's swinging its doors open to the public these uh, this week. What does it take to get an eatery open these days? You'll find out over the course of the next hour on Taking Care of Business. Right now, though, we're going to look at the Irish SME Roadshow uh, and the Leash business that's getting a spotlight put on it uh, when it lands in Port Leash uh, next week. I'm very glad to say joining us on the programme is Sandra Mead-Redden, who's the Managing Director of Makua uh, Print and Design. Uh, Sandra, thanks very much for taking our call this evening. Thanks very much, David, for having me tonight. Not at all. Um, First, let's look at the IS uh, or the um, Irish SME Roadshow in terms of what's coming up. It's got a packed program, and we're going to look, uh, I suppose, at the local business feature, which is yourselves. Um, we'll we'll do that latterly. Uh, but in terms of the overall uh, overall idea, as uh, someone uh, who is a managing director in a bit a business in the Midlands here, uh, what do you make of the program itself? Yeah, it's it's a it's actually a packed program uh, next week. So they have um, a, a couple of different things going on in it, uh, David. Uh, so we have a HR spotlight uh, with John Barry from MSS, the HR people, which is looking at uh, contractual updates and sick pay and that in the workplace. Mm. And then we have uh, Dr. Joan Cattle. Uh, who's the occupational um, health for the Health and Safety Authority. Uh, she's doing a workshop there as well. And of course, uh, Pat McDonough, who's the founder of Supermax, uh, he's doing a questions and answers on dealing with bogus insurance claims and the pursuit of court costs. Very good. Um, and that's followed up then, uh, with myself. <laughs> with yourself. And that's what we're going to follow up yeah. with right now, actually, is... Um, the story of Makua Print and Design. Uh, when did you get going? Um, what kind of experience has it been part, being part of this enterprise? Uh, well, Makua, myself and uh, Eilish, um, Eilish Cashin is from uh, Ballyfin in uh, Port Leash. Uh, she keeps trying to say it's Ballyfin House, but we question her on, on that <laughs> one now. Um but uh, I'm a Kildare woman myself, so I'm a bit of a blow-in now to Port Leash. Oh, we'll uh, ignore that anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we took off in from Mining Business Park in 2009 um, as as two friends, to be honest. So, uh, like everything, it's like a marriage. We we spend more time together uh, than anything else, and it's a, it's a good friendship. We've had our ups and downs um, with challenges around business, like everyone uh, but uh, we've we've made it work. Uh, we did uh, a huge investment in 2012 of a half million euro, uh, and then last year we did another investment of just under 250,000, uh, and we went completely chemical free Very in uh, the printing side of it. In terms of the 
printing business. Um, am I right in saying then that there's very there's a couple of different strands to this? There's um, there's kind of corporate, and then there's more bespoke uh, requests from from someone who might want something done up in a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. We've um, we've two warehouses in Port Leash, so we have the general printing warehouse that does everything from uh, digital to LITO. So we have um, a a separate warehouse for our signage. Um, And then we have a sales office in uh, Newbridge. Um, But we we cater for everything from the the person that wants to come in for a memorial card to the corporate client that wants to get uh, something totally unique um, and that might not have been even heard of before. And we like to try and say that we think outside the box for those clients. But whether you're somebody walking in off the street or the high-end corporate client, uh, we treat you exactly the same. Uh, and that's been our ethos for the last uh, 14 years, which I think has been part of our success story. No, there's, there's no going wrong if that is your ethos. Typically, it can't. Uh, it can't undermine you in, in, in that respect. It, it sounds like it, the operation itself is is pretty big across a fair amount of acreage and uh, probably no shortage of machinery to keep on top of as well. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, like as part of our reinvestment last year to go chemical free, um, we totally restructured uh, some of the machinery that we had, uh, which involved uh, training with staff and that as well. Um, but like our, our client base, some of them we've had uh, since we started, which I think is testament to the to the staff we have uh, and to the service that we provide. Um, and like a part of what we do as well is we like to give back into the community. Um, and as you know, we sponsor the Leash GA rewards. We, we work with schools uh, with mentoring, with transition year students, we work with National Learning Network. Um, we take in uh, students from there as in, in the production side and the admin side. Um, so it's all about learning and giving back. And that's what, that's what we like to do. Like we have the knowledge and we like to share it as well and pass on a little bit of what we learned to the next generation. Mm. When you're sharing that knowledge and when you're engaging with younger people and bringing them in, um, have you found that you've actually ended up recruiting people down the line? Have, have those interactions with the community actually yielded some sort of a direct fruit from an employment perspective? Um, as of not yet, some have gone on to college and probably changed a little bit of the direction of where they're going. Planting the seeds, um, I suppose. Yeah, so some have gone into to business studies or gone into graphic design um, or arts or um, media, uh, camera, movies. Um, so it's it's all about, I suppose, opening the mind. Mm. Um, and y- y- it's nice to think you're a part of that. Um, I would say it's really rewarding in that respect. Uh, what, 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 what do you see in yep. terms of kind of the medium term future? Um, you've mentioned this engagement with the community. It sounds like you're getting great reward uh, from that uh, just on a, I suppose, a... Um, an encouragement basis, but uh, in terms of the future for Makua, uh, what are the hopes and ambitions? Um, I would, I suppose, from from our point, um, we were, I suppose, we're looking at the online uh, portals, uh, continued investment, innovation, developing more partnerships like we have 
to enhance the services and to help us become market leaders. Um, because our client base, believe it or not, 70% is still the leash area uh, or the peripheral counties. Mm. But our, our furthest away clients would be Texas. Um, and we are ISO 9001 and 14001 because we're very much big into the environmental side right. and the earth side of it. Uh, so we're constantly trying to move forward in that area and make a commitment uh, on, on the whole environmental aspect. Um, Is it a so challenge that's, that's to, to try access and uh, leverage those those other markets that aren't aren't domestic, aren't local and regional? Um, it is, but the supports are, are excellent. We we work very well uh, with Mark Clancy and Evelyn Redden in the local enterprise office mm. um, because there's lots of grants there for online development, website development, research development. And then there's uh, Caroline Hoffman in the Chamber of Commerce and the Cube. So there's environmental supports and community initiatives um, which goes with the County Council as well. And then we have the likes of Vivian Graham with the Department of Social Protection for initiatives around staffing okay. uh, and staff development. So there's there's excellent supports in, in Leash for Business. Very good. And uh, we might touch on uh, what you might like to see put together in the future in that regard, although it does sound like Leash Business is well catered for in a lot of respects. Um, what about the challenges that, uh, like, I suppose it's almost a default question. If I'm speaking to someone who's <clears throat> running a business today, we can touch back on what happened a couple of years ago and how you kind of came through it. What was your experience like um, uh, for Makua Print and Design coming through uh, the pandemic and out the other end? Was there issues around recruitment or um, was productivity in, a, a difficulty at the time? Uh, where do you stand now having gone through that? Um, I suppose, like everybody, there was um, there was normal staffing issues with staff um, not not moving into different roles with different companies because uh, you had downsized uh, a small amount um, with other companies that we would have had that had closed during COVID, um, and we structured around that ourselves. Okay. Um, but then we innovated with machinery. Um, but costs became an issue. Um, so on top of that, with fuel costs and rising um, electricity costs, we tried to get innovative uh, with using our own in-house um, filtration systems and converters for electricity, LEDs. Um, the couriers we were using were using hybrid vehicles or electric vehicles. So we tried to reduce as many costs as we could and learned from it. Um, so to be A, to be greener and B, to to keep our costs down that we didn't have to pass anything on to the customers as much as possible. Yeah, the kind of leaning of business uh, took place across the board in a lot of ways. And whilst it might have been difficult at the time, a lot of the work that got done could well stand to businesses in the future. As we reach the end of our discussion, um, Sandra, I wanted to ask you what you'd like to see. A lot of people, obviously, were talking about supporting local business on a constant basis and obviously people do love to support local business. It sounds like you're getting good support from the local authorities and and the associated entities in in terms of um, how they're helping, the local authorities are helping uh, local businesses. Uh, What else would you like to see made available maybe for a business like yourselves? Um, I think, being honest, like the Ismi Roadshow is doing with networking events and Mm -hmm. that, um, if if like we we've a lot with uh, tourism 
uh, we've a lot for the hospitality sector. If we could probably do more innovation with business to business events uh, in the county, um, because I, I even had a customer in today that didn't know we were there and were 14 years there. Okay. Um, and we market ourselves and advertise ourselves. So uh, if there was probably a little bit more of that, um, it, it would be good from a business to business point of view. Yeah, can't fault that in terms of logic. Sandra Mead Redden is the managing director with Makua Print and Design, and it is Makua Print and Design that will be the local business featured in the Irish SME Roadshow when it stops off in Port Leash. That's at the Collection Hotel uh, next Wednesday from four thirty to six thirty. Six thirty. Sandra, I'll let you get on with your Tuesday evening. I much appreciate you talking to us. I appreciate that, David. And I just wanted to say one thing. I just want to recognise all my staff, if I can. Absolutely. Because they're the backbone of our business uh, and they work extremely hard. And without their um, knowledge, expertise, customer service, the production crew to design, without all of those in the company, David, Eilish and myself wouldn't have the success that we have. And I just want to give a big shout out to all my staff because they're the cogs in the wheel. Uh, and I want to say I really appreciate them all very much. Well, so we would that, David. we would echo that here at Midlands 103 and wish, we wish you every success in the future, Sandra. Thank you. Thanks very much, David. Next up, we are going to be unpicking the unholy mess that is the finances in the League of Ireland. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Welcome back to Taking Care of Business with David Hollywood sitting in for Ronan. A little later in the show, we're going to take you to Singapore to celebrate the entrepreneurial spirit of the Midlands. Keep tuned in to find out more on that one. Now, we turn our attention to sport and specifically money in football. Winning a League of Ireland Premier Division title is worse less than winning a single match in the Europa Conference League. Facilities are creaking, but attendances are on the rise. Irish soccer definitely has a bit of a liquidity problem and has generally lacked appropriate financial backing, not through this era, but multiple eras over the years. Athlone Town have senior teams in the League of Ireland First Division and the Women's Premier Division. Founded in 1887, they're also, in fact, uh, the oldest club in the league. Uh, David Dully is their secretary and uh, he joins us on taking care of business this evening. Uh, David, thanks for taking our call today. Uh, No problem, David. It's good to be on the show. Thanks so much. So, first question is, how are Athlone Town getting on off the pitch? I imagine that's the the main focus in your role is um, to sort of provide um, the stability or to try strive for the stability for the club to grow its footballing operations. Yeah, kind of off the pitch, things have improved greatly over the last number of years. Now, I know kind of clubs are judged on their results on the pitch, but off the pitch, we've gone from strength to strength, uh, kind of building in the platforms for all of our players, not just our senior players, to play on. And we have a development that we're hoping to do down in the stadium where we're going to build another stand. And underneath that stand, there's going to be offices and boardrooms and dressing rooms uh, solely for the women's side of the club. But also in that as well, what we're looking to do is we're looking to put in classrooms as well that so that kids that are training with our teams that could, they could come in maybe an hour before, have something to eat, do their homework, and then get out on the pitch and do what they do, need to do to improve as a player. So off the pitch, we're going from strength to strength. But uh, ultimately, in this business, you're judged on your on-field results. 
Yeah, of course. It's just a a results-focused business. But I suppose what you're doing in terms of the project around uh, the the pitch, as it were, is providing better environment for players and uh, management and coaching to produce those results. Uh, This project, the new stand, the new facilities, this will really see the club take a massive step forward in all of that regard. Yeah, it's going to cost just probably, probably in the region of about 3 million euros. And it's kind of it's a significant investment in the ground that uh, we're hoping to secure a lot of the funding that the burden all of the burden won't go on the club, but it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge that uh, we're also in September we're looking to start an ETV course, which is a tra- full time training course as well down in the stadium, so that uh, kids that are finished education and quite haven't reached the marks in their leaving cert to get access to college would be able to come in and do a level five in a certificate with the club and that would give them access then to colleges up and down the country as well so we're trying to kind of improve the educational side of what we're doing with the club as well as the facilities and the structures down here have you noticed that clubs in ireland particularly in the league of ireland have taken a few steps forward in regards to being part of their community that seems to have been or rather seems to be a real growing dynamic in the League of Ireland Yeah it's it's hugely important that the club are based in the community and what I've noticed now with our club over the last probably 12 months say kind of after Covid there's a huge amount of children coming to the games and it's amazing to see that they're standing in the tunnel area waiting for the players to come in off the pitch looking for autographs and looking for photographs and it, like that's that's huge like uh, probably our squad of about 23 or 24 I'd say 18 of them now are living and working in the town and kind of spending money in the town as well which is huge for the community as well Let's talk about your role at the club. What's the most pressing challenge or challenges you're facing at the moment? Financial. So kind of that, that's a, the biggest issue for clubs up and down the country is trying to raise the funding needed to compete at the top level. We, as a club, in 2013 won the first division and were introduced to Premier Division football for the first time in a long time in Athlone. And it was a huge, huge kind of burden that we didn't really get to grips with towards the end of that season uh, results improved and things improved off the pitch but the financial kind of obligations on the club for that year were something that we didn't expect and it was something that we weren't kind of ready for and it, like it's 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 mostly down to finances and I, I presume all clubs all over the country are all constantly fundraising and constantly trying to get money together to try and improve things on the pitch and then what, once the results improve on the pitch, you find that the gates and the attendances at the games go up. But they, and, and just in relation to attendances, our attendances this year, while they may seem smaller compared to teams up and down the league, we've had more people coming to games this year than we did in the year that we actually won the league. Wow. And, and, and it makes a big difference to the bottom line if you can get attendances up by a certain percentage. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, in League of Ireland football, attendances are never going to, you're never going to run your budgets on gate receipts alone. So there is always going to be significant fundraising needed by clubs in the league. Let's talk about some of the measures uh, that clubs like yourselves have taken to generate revenue. What's been a success from Athlone Town's perspective uh, in that regard? Yeah, so we started a drive-in bingo 
just after COVID because we were doing a lotto and obviously then the, the lotto had to cease when COVID started because you couldn't really sell the tickets or the and the appetite to buy tickets online wasn't there. Mm. So in fairness to the club president, Liam Gaffey, Liam came up with an idea for a drive-in bingo and it's been hugely successful for the club. And what we're doing with the funds that's raised from that is we're putting it back into the academy structures. So it's it's purchasing kind of footballs and bibs and whatever training equipment is really needed for the, each team down here to try and kind of lighten the responsibility on parents that have to contribute financially for the kids to play football in these leagues. It must be professionally satisfying, David, to turn fans' goodwill, and by that I mean participation in stuff like uh, this drive-in bingo, turning that into legitimate football development of the club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Irish players are probably the the most sought-after player now. You, you'll see a lot more kids going over to England and going to other European leagues because the Irish passport is probably the best passport in the EU at the minute okay. regarding that players don't require work permits to go to England as a result of the Brexit. And it's easier for clubs then to, like if you have an Irish passport that you can sign for any team in any league without the requirement of a work permit as long as it's in, within the European structure. It's a very interesting dynamic that's actually come of um, how the world is changing over recent years, I suppose. What about action that needs to be taken from your perspective if each and every club through the League of Ireland is is fighting tooth and nail for every uh, cent? Uh, what kind of actions do you think need to be taken and by whom? It's... Uh... Irish football is kind of in a curious position at the minute um, with previous kind of people that were running the FAI. There's, it's, I don't know what's the politest way to say this, but it's in a precarious <laughs> position that it's very difficult for Sport Ireland and all kind of whatever bodies are going to financially support it. Now, I have to say that uh, the FAI have gone over and above and everything that they've contributed to clubs recently in the last couple of years like the league office, Mark Scanlon and Cliff Henry and the guys up there would, they're on the end of the phone now where that didn't really exist in the last seven, eight years with the League of Ireland. You couldn't really get anyone on the end of the phone, whereas now if you ring, you can speak to somebody. So the the, the league has done the best they can with what they have regarding trying to financially support clubs. But it would be great if the, the government could support projects because as you, as you said earlier at the, the beginning of this, that there is stadiums up and down the country that are falling into disrepair and it's very difficult for clubs to kind of put aside a million or two million euros to kind of to redevelop their grounds and improve them. And financial is the biggest issues that clubs have. And uh, outside of that, then, you know, it's trying to get back in with the community and trying to build bridges within the community about kind of what's happened with clubs over the years. And like I said, it's down to results. But we're, at this moment in time, what we're trying to do as well is we're trying to build a football for all programme with a local school where we're kind of starting a team where players have disabilities, but they can come in and play in the stadium, do training in the stadium, have access to our coaches, and just trying to put a footing back in within the community as well and that hopefully then all of these people can come down and enjoy games in the stadium again you know because as I said the attendances have gone up 
there's a lot more children in the ground and regarding trying to get volunteers into the club that that's a difficult part too because people are not as willing to give up their time for nothing anymore so even the security now that we hire in the stadium while it's at a reduced rate all all of these things all have to be covered on match nights yeah it's uh, it's it's not a a small task in that respect, I would say, having gone to uh, Athlone Town Stadium a few times now, as the summer comes in, there's probably no better place to spend an early summer's evening watching either the men or the women's side in action. Uh, David, uh, for the moment, though, thanks for taking our call on taking care of business and the best of luck with the rest of the season for the club. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much and thanks for having me on the show. Next up, we're going to be tapping into that good old-fashioned, traditional Midlands entrepreneurial spirit. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. You're very welcome back to Taking Care of Business. David Hollywood in for Ronan this evening. Now we are heading over to Singapore rather excitingly. The 2023 EY Entrepreneur of the Year is taking place uh, over there. And the Midlands has some uh, great representation. Ted Wright from Milltown Pass, CEO of Rytech and Mullingar is over there, as is uh, Neil Skeffington, um, who is originally from Athlone. He's the CEO of uh, Novoplast Tiorenta. Um, but Brian Fahey, who is a top um, my compliance office uh, company in Dublin, is also over uh, in Singapore. Uh, Brian has been um, nominated as Entrepreneur of the Year. He's a finalist in the international uh, category and he joins us this evening. Brian, uh, how is the view from Singapore this evening? Uh, very hot, actually. It's a very hot, humid place <laughs> to be in, but uh, it's really exciting and great to be here. It's been a great program so far. So tell us, um, what, under what proviso uh, were you assessed as Entrepreneur of the Year and uh, how did uh, you find your way here, a man from Athlone, uh, in very salubrious circumstances, it has to be said? Yeah, well, so we're in the international category and, um, you know, we actually we do compliance services for financial services firms and uh, we've had 13 client firms, only four of them are Irish, so we definitely are very international in what we do. But, um, yeah, my, I suppose my journey came from Athlone itself, and uh, my father was an entrepreneur in Athlone, and he definitely influenced me over the many, many years of the various businesses he was involved with. So uh, the very um, he he started his entrepreneurial journey in Athlone and was running a car sales business out of Magazine Road, and then went down to distribute Fiat and Aveco trucks out in the Dublin Road. That's fascinating, and from your perspective. Uh your business story uh, to being the chief executive at my compliance office. Uh, what's what's the arc been like over the last uh, few years yourself? We've been doing it for 15 years, so it's not uh, it's not any overnight success. But uh, I uh, spun out of uh, Fidelity Investments uh, here in Ireland, and uh, I spent 15 years in the states in capital markets technology, and so. Uh, we created a business that was doing compliance software for financial services, always geared towards the U.S. initially, and still to this day, 75% of our business is out of the U.S. So that was the biggest market for capital markets in the world, and so that's where we went, and that's where we strived. To, you know, we, we very much had a very tough first five years. We started in 2008, financial services crisis, and uh, we were, you know, we didn't have any funding, and we basically were bootstrapped and had many, you know, hanging on by your fingernail moments over those first five years. But uh, 
really kind of kicked on from there. In the last five years, we've sort of grown products and grown markets, and we've come into Asia-Pac ourselves, and we've even got an office in Singapore here as well. So it's um, been a great journey. It's been a great journey. What do you think the future holds in that respect? Uh, you mentioned that uh, the predominant market has been at the United States. Do you see that persisting in into the medium term? Yeah, because, we, you know, in, in, in what we do, capital markets, of course, just a ginormous industry, and there's uh, plenty of room for better compliance. And we are very much a product-based company, so that means that we would consider ourselves uh, to be the superior product. So it's been about getting our brand out there, building our, building our uh, name in the industry, and there's plenty of, uh, plenty of firms that still could use our services. Also, it's just a fact that you know, compliance and regulation is increasing globally, and uh, there's plenty of other firms and plenty of other products in the compliance space that we're continuing to build towards. So uh, I very much, um, we go in the business now to, you know, 350 people. We are at 1,300 client firms, but, you know, there's 15,000 uh, registered, what would be known as registered investment advisors and broker dealers in the U.S., so there's plenty of room for growth. Uh, and I and actually like building the business. I have no interest in selling it at this time. I'm much more interested in building it to another level. You must be surrounded with like-minded people at the moment in Singapore. I, I've been reading that the theme for this year's EY Entrepreneur of the Year program is the art of entrepreneurship. They're uh, saying that artists and entrepreneurs are both creative and curious. Are you finding yourself uh, surrounded with uh, like-minded individuals at the moment? It's actually an unbelievable experience. You know, like, so the odd thing about being an entrepreneur or a founder or a CEO of a business is you're, you're generally the last person you know, to make final decisions. And um, I think you take a certain type of person that does that. And when you're then thrown into a room with, a, you know, 100 other people who are very similarly minded, when you don't usually get them in your day-to-day life, it is particularly fascinating to have those conversations with those other people because we're all dealing with the same things in very, very different industries. But it's actually just, it's the nature of the conversations and the people are curious, as you say. So they are asking questions about the business that do make you think about it. So they're very different experience to anything I've ever uh, had before. So, Brian, in terms of the program uh, for this uh, Entrepreneur of the Year event that's in Singapore, I understand it's not just an award ceremony. There's uh, a full schedule of events taking place that have been laid out uh, for all the people who've been invited over. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a, a great schedule of um, speakers of uh, various backgrounds all around business and, and entrepreneurship. And so some of, the, some of it's academics, some of it's practitioners here in Singapore. Um, and it's, again, just uh, some, some great speakers. So we've had a two, not two well, a day and a half so far. And then there's interspersed with dinners, networking events and uh I mean, you know, you end up going on buses to different places, so you end up talking to all these different people, and uh, you end up, you know, there's about, as I said, 100 people here, and you end up meeting them through and talking to them through the, uh, you know, before the event and during dinner and breakfast and all that. So, in fairness, EY they put on a great program that is uh, geared towards meeting a lot of people and talking to a lot of people. So, uh, and then, as I said, interspersed with various. Um, very interesting stuff so far and the, the rest of the schedule looks looks like equally interesting. I mean, that's that's an 
fascinating one you've mentioned there, just the idea that it's almost like whilst you're waiting to go into talks or um, uh, meals or events that those moments in between events can actually sometimes lead to the most interesting conversations. Well, in actual fact, they're some of the best parts of us, in my view, because these other entrepreneurs that have built businesses and of various scales and sizes and of various industries and um, you know, you end up hearing about some of their own funding journeys, some of their own major issues that went on. And uh, you're talking to them, as I said, on the bus. You're talking to them, you know, at dinner time. And I think they mix everybody up and you end up in different um, uh, tables at lunchtime and at dinner. So it really is, it is actually some of the best part of it so far. Yeah, sounds like it's probably going to be a really worthy uh, week uh, from a CEO's perspective or an entrepreneur's uh, perspective specifically. Uh, in terms of what you might be able to bring back then uh, to your business in Ireland, have you come across anything? Do you typically come across these things or does it sometimes actually only crystallise after you've been back a while? You know, it's so many different inputs we're getting at the moment. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I actually just did meet somebody from uh, which it was a cryptocurrency firm in Singapore that was presented to us because we're complying software financial services and we actually do have a one single cryptocurrency firm but you know so that might be business that we'll get from that but more importantly i think is those um i've actually heard of a couple of different funding journeys and people who've got uh, money for capital for different sources and some very interesting one two different conversations about that so i think it's going to be a mixture and I think it's also going to be just different concepts and ideas that you hear that I think will ring true at different times when you're thinking about different issues that you're facing. So I think it's going to be a real mix. Yeah, hopefully there'll be a few golden nuggets that you'll be able to apply uh, to my compliance office over the course of the coming uh, weeks, months and years. You're nominated uh, in the international section for Entrepreneur of the Year in the final there. Do you know uh, when you find out who the winner of that is? Well, it's not until November. November. So they have an award ceremony in November and that's when I think they'll make all the announcements of the category winners and the overall entrepreneur of the year. Okay, well, we wish you the very best of luck when it comes down to that uh, with everything with my compliance office going forward and for the rest of the, rest of the week's programme uh, over at the uh, Entrepreneur of the Year um, event in Singapore. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, uh, Brian. Thank you very much, David. Enjoyed it. That was Brian Fahey and the best of luck to him and uh, congratulations to him as well on his nomination as Entrepreneur of the Year. When we come back, uh, we'll be looking at someone who's decided to take on the omni-crisis of this world and set up a high-quality, high-class Leash Restaurant. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Now... Those of you in Leash Nabby Leaks may have noticed that the iconic Bramley building has been going under refurbishment of late. I'm very glad to say that the owner of Bramley Restaurant, Sam Moody, has joined us this evening. Sam, you decided to open your own restaurant. I can only imagine the stress and duress you've been under recently. But as far as I'm understanding it, the doors are open and you're taking bookings from the public for Bramley Restaurant. How does that sound? Uh, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we did it. It was a, a real push at the end. Had to call in some help from family, but um, we, we got it over the line. Um, it, was, it, was, it was close um, and, yeah, stressful, but um, a really enjoyable process, um, something I've sort of been working towards my whole career. What is it about chefs and stress? You always seem to be quite close together in that respect. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, stress has a bit of a bad reputation. I think if you're using it uh, well and uh, and you're you're dealing with it and you're achieving um, and getting over the things that are causing the stress, it's, it's a very positive uh, emotion sometimes. I mean, if it's overwhelming you, then maybe not. But, uh, you know, I think doing things that take you completely out of your comfort zone is really important. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this certainly has taken us out of our comfort zone. No, I think you're dead right in that respect. Talk us through the thought process of going it alone because you were an executive head chef in the county. What drove you to take all of this responsibility? So I've, I've always wanted to, um, to to find my own find my own business and run my own restaurant. Um, and it, we've been looking for years. We, 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 we've, we've had a couple of full starts and, um, and, and we just saw the Bramley uh, building come up uh, on on daft and we said well we 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 have to go for this um i spotted it in my first weeks in ireland and 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 thought that abby leaks and and particularly the bramley would make a a beautiful you know double fronted restaurant um perfect neighborhood restaurant location and um and when it came up it it just you know we, we 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 had to investigate and it was just the right space must be so exciting going from maybe to yeah I think this is it to okay we're actually doing this and then then it all kind of hits you like a ton of bricks what what's the what have the challenges been like what are the things that you've come up against over the course of uh, the very recent uh, term but generally in trying to get this up and running uh, challenges I mean this significant challenge was updating the fire alarm while um, while doing a refurbishment a very tasteful refurbishment we wanted to Make it look like we hadn't done anything to to Bramley. We 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 just wanted to restore some period sort of feature to to the to the space. Mm. So when you walk in, it feels it feels like it's always looked like that. And um and so when you're when you're trying to do this, and we had really uh, really talented craftsmen in doing um, doing the woodwork, um and then uh, at the same time you're you know painfully aware that at any moment the 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 fire uh, alarm specialist is going to come in and potentially rip bits out to put in emergency lighting, and and we we had we didn't have an option a choice, but we had to do them both at the same time. Oh and um, thankfully, um, Eddie, uh, our carpenter, was very understanding and came back the day before opening and made good all of the all of the damage that the um, the installation of the fire alarm had uh, had um, had caused. I mean, it's just—it's a necessary. Yeah, it, it has to. People have to be safe. Obviously, we have to do it. But um, yeah, that, I could have—I could have lived without that headache. <laughs> and then, um, and then, the usual suppliers, um, saying they're going to deliver stuff. You know, things that had a two-week lead time turning into a five-week lead time, turning into a six-week lead time. Things that were in order, in stock, going missing, on uh, being delivered to us, and. And that sort of thing. But um, we're there. So we're open. So uh, <laughs> seems like a distant memory. Well, that's it. You can consign that kind of stuff uh, to a distant memory once I've finished asking you about it, of course. Uh, isn't it interesting, though, that when you are under pressure and you end up in a situation where you kind of have to rely on somebody's goodwill, as you mentioned, uh, with your carpenter, uh, that a lot of the time people are happy to help, especially when they can see probably emitting and emoting from you someone who really cares about what they're doing. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that was key. I mean, hospitality is the industry of people. We, 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 we sell food, but we're in, the, we're in the business of people. We, we, we provide experiences for, for people. And so we, from, from the start, 
when my wife and I have employed that philosophy to everyone we speak to, our suppliers, our guests, our staff, everyone is a part of that, part of the journey. And we want everyone to feel a part of the restaurant so we can make the restaurant a part of the community. Yeah, that sounds absolutely bang on. You mentioned that uh, your wife is a part of this setup. What's the uh, professional setup like in terms of uh, the staff that you've got in there at the moment? So we, we have a, a, a very talented restaurant supervisor uh, and then two, uh, two a full-time and a part-time front of house. And then there's uh, three of us in the kitchen. But we, we, we run it. We're only open four days a week. And we we run it as one team, so there's um, so everybody does a little bit of everything. I wanted to sort of break that um, kitchen restaurant divide. I've always tried to break okay. the kitchen restaurant divide in all my in all my um, uh, management positions, but in my own business, I wanted to take it that one little step further. We all wear the same uniform. We we're we're very close. You know, you you almost couldn't tell us apart. Um, and um, I just wanted a togetherness and a sort of informality in the structure of our of our staffing, relying on people's professionalism and experience to, to make the job happen. I'd say that must be really stimulating for anyone who's used to working on one side of the divide, as you say, to find somebody who's is going to bring them over to that other side, trust them to, to, to learn what they're doing, and, and eventually people are then developing and, and they're getting a reward out of the work in that respect. Absolutely. I'm not chasing massive numbers. I'm... So um, I don't I don't need uh, I don't need systems I don't need systems people I need personality people and I, I, I want people who care about people people who've got a story to tell and and can engage um, uh, with um, with our with our customers our our guests and even if that's a nervous smile as long as it's a smile you know I, I, I like that personality to come through. Fantastic! Uh, I have to ask you then, what's the menu looking like at the moment? Menu's looking very good. Um, a few tweaks, a uh, couple of things. Everything's works, but a few things aren't selling. So we're 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 reviewing it at the moment with James, my head chef. Um, we have some lovely uh, scallops coming from the sustainable uh, seafood um, company in uh, out of Dublin. Um, we're just pairing them with a little bit of smoked haddock and some cauliflower, and then we have some fantastic lamb from um, from Mount Rath um, that we're doing with wild garlic and mint. Um, it's just uh, just magic stuff. The lamb from Mount Rath. Ace, yeah, that sounds. Uh, that <laughs> you've put me in a position here where I'm not going to get home to dinner for some time. So you've left me in a compromised uh, state in that regard. And in terms of the food produce in Ireland, then uh, having come come over here a number of years ago, I'm sure you're well familiar with it. And would you speak to say is it a is it a you know, root vegetables and livestock kind of that's our, our strength and forte or are you able to source most things here? Yeah, no, I, can, I pretty much source everything uh, in, from Ireland. I mean, there are some specialist uh, things that we'll, we'll import maybe, um, but you've got wonderful, uh, wonderful producers, food producers and really small scale food producers. Um, and, you know, uh, Brendan at Fairview Farm producing woodland pork just in in in, in leash um, in on the edge of Port Leash, and then you, I did an event with him and then there's someone in um, in I think Mount Melick producing uh, organic pressed oils uh, and a full range of these and they're incredible you know they're really really bespoke really unique um, flavors that I can bring to my menu. And it's amazing. It takes a while to find them because they're small, you know. Um, but I've been here a while, and then as my network's grown, um, you, you you meet more and more people. 
Well, I think that's a great note to end it on. Sam Moody's the owner of Bramley Abbey Leaks. Congratulations on getting up and running and the very best of luck going forward. Thank you very much and thanks for having me on. Yeah, great stuff from Sam there. We are heading over to the Midlands 103 newsroom. Uh, Ronan is back next week and Joe Cooney is waiting in the wings for Country Roads After 8. Taking care of business. Returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103.